Hey y'all, it's MatchMat. So, as you may have noticed, the MatchMat podcast does not have any ads. This means that the MatchMat podcast is completely sustained by myself and now supported through Patreon. So, at patreon.com slash matchmat, we have three different tiers for you to join. The first tier is $5, and it includes bonus episodes with the production team. The next tier, which is $10, gives you behind-the-scenes access, such as bloopers and bonus content. $20 includes bonus episodes, behind-the-scenes content, fan requests involving interviews or guests, and monthly Ask Me Anythings. You can follow our Patreon at patreon.com slash matchmat. And you can also follow us on Twitter and Instagram at matchmat underscore. Remember, for Patreon, it's patreon.com slash matchmat, Matt with two T's. And also on Twitter and Instagram at matchmat underscore. What's up, y'all? It's your man, it's matchmat. I'm your homie. I'm your plug. You know I got extra love. And guess who's here? Guess who's here? Guess who's here? Koof is here. Koof is here. Koof is here. Al, Koof is here. I'm I'm very excited um, that you're here with me, um, talking to me. You know, despite our time differences, you know, you took your time to speak to me. No problem. <laughs> hey y'all. Hey Matt. I'm excited hey. to be here. <laughs> oh, we're so happy to have you. So, Koof, what do you, what do you do? Um, I'm a um, so I'm actually a teacher um, for a tech company. So uh, yeah, I do the childcare for um, the company I work for, mm-hmm. and um, I focus in early childhood development. So that's really my where I specialize in with teaching um, from children from infancy to pre-kindergarten. So that's my deal. I did elementary for a year. I ended right back up doing <laughs> preschool because that's just my thing. That's my niche. That's what I enjoy doing um, more. Koofa love the kids. I do. I really love children. Like, um, I think that's why I picked this career path. Uh, it's just so rewarding being able to be there with them and go through all those learning processes with them and just growth and development from start like I get to see all the things that you all forgot that you learned I teach that so I like it there (laughs) wow think about our fine motor skills like the person who taught us how to cut like I was talking to um, a a kindergarten teacher um, about two weeks ago and she was telling me we were talking we're going through like the list of what kindergartners need to learn and I was going through the stuff like Mm. wow like somebody yeah. really needed to build me from scratch. Like, <laughs> I was really and just it's soup. Funny, funny. Oh no, go ahead. No, it's okay. I, I was really just saying I was just soup. <laughs> that was just all I'm saying. I like all you had to do was just throw noodles and shit in me like over time, and I was actually gonna be good soup. Like before, I was just hot water and shit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like we teach all like all those skills that you forgot. Like I actually taught kindergarten, which is so funny because pre kindergarten and kindergarten, you will think it's the same, but. <laughs> There's a gap. That's I guess we can get into that another time. But like, there's so many things you have to learn as a kindergarten, a kindergartner. Um, that year is packed with so much like standards and things that you have to learn, like in order to like succeed later in life. And that's why I think I enjoy teaching this age more um, versus when you're older. When you're older, you can damn near teach yourself but at this time like you really have to be intentional um and with everything that you teach the children and because they absorb everything so what what made you step into teaching was it just because you knew you liked kids was it a specific teacher or a predicament or you know actually um when i started college i was a hundred percent sure I was going to graduate with a a degree in biology and become a pediatrician. Um, that completely did not work out. That um, that just did not happen. Um, my first year, at, um, I went to MSU. So my first year at MSU, I was in the Lyman Briggs program, which is basically like a program that was just concentrated like on pre-med and science and all that 
fun stuff um, that didn't turn out to be so fun. So I spent two years in Lyman Briggs and I'm just like, guys, like this is not it. But I was just so forward and focused on sticking with it because I just never ever considered a different career like ever so um I was just like well I know I want to work with children so that was my start like so I was just like you know what let's stop beating around the bush like how about I find a way I can directly work with children um I've always been good with children because I was always that babysitting cuz and I babysit I babysat everyone's children. So I was like, okay, let's just give this teaching thing a shot. Turned out that I was really good at it. <laughs> like, um and I stuck with it and that's just how I got into it and I enjoyed it. Um I, I just became a teacher. It was it was really weird for me to like go into that direction. It was two totally different it was just polar opposite career choices. So I feel like I just like fumbled into teaching and I was like, all right, here, this is my, this is my tribe. And that's so wild because you were doing that for two years and I was like, you could never think of anything outside of it. But like when you had that moment, I was like, you know what? I really do like kids. Like, Yeah. I had to meet with an advisor. So I constantly kept meeting with my advisors to figure yeah. out what I could do. And, um, eventually with like after multiple conversations about like what I wanted to do and what I enjoy she was like you might want to like go meet with a teaching advisor like let's just see how that goes and I met with the advisor I fell in love with the structure of their program it just seemed so doable what I was doing at the time I was just completely miserable like when I was in um on that pre-med track I hated it like I didn't even see myself finishing school if I stayed in that area and I had already used two years of school and I'm just like I can't go into my junior year still not knowing what I want to do so it was like really important that I had figured it out before I entered my junior year so at least if I have to do the fifth year which I ended up doing it's fine like but at least I know what I want to do Right, you you knew you had that feeling too. It was just like once you got that taste of it, it's really like you can't. You know what I'm saying? You can't really turn away from what your purpose is once you start really typing like moving yeah. at some point in time. Yeah, and it felt good. Yeah, and I'm glad it did. Like, cause a lot of times <laughs> we don't get a chance to really have that or do that. So I'm glad you were able to have that set up for yourself, and you were able to like really distinctively under now understand like what is for you <clears throat> to an extent. And, you know, saying or what's not for you or what you, you know, what you don't find, you know, valuable. So I think that's that's a big step in like form of like realizing more about yourself and then how you interact with people around you. Because he talked about being the cousin always babysit. I was too the cousin who always babysit. <laughs> like, so I completely yeah. understand. Like, it's, it's something, you know, it's something in you that other people see too. And like kids are drawn to you or, you know, it's just small stuff that really uh, that really like reaffirms that what you're doing. But we don't see it because it's just part of our everyday lives. Like that's true, because I'm also a super auntie, too. So not only am I the, the babysitter, I have so many nieces and nephews. And I was always the one that my nieces and nephews were drawn to. Like I was always the one who cared for them. Like when they came over for the weekend, like, of course, my brothers, they were like, you know, they would hang out with them, but they did but the kids would want to stay with me because I, I don't know what it was so it was just like you could tell I have these real maternal characteristics and the kids will like pull it out of me so I was just like okay like I'm really good with this like this is natural for me so I'm happy I found my thing I am too and so when you started working for your tech company so you, you relocated too right yes I am currently in the Bay California and yeah, so I work here, <laughs> and it's so crazy. How was that? Like, how was it when you first got there, and how is it now? Um. Okay. Well, I guess I can go through this whole process. Uh, we here. when I was at my um, <laughs> when I was at my old job, um, I just every year. So when I graduated, every year I look for a new job. It's just. That's just the thing I do. Like once I meet beat the one year mark, whether I hate the job or like yeah, it's just like it's time for me to move on. For the first time, I actually did not hate my job, but it was just like uh 
I did my thing here. I can look for something else. If I don't, I stay. If I do find something that I have a bigger opportunity, I can just move on. So when I came across this opportunity on LinkedIn, I applied for it because I was like, all right, this is like crazy. I don't know if I'm going to get this position, but I just applied and I like threw it on a black back burner. Um, I was actually looking at other stuff and um. I was like, all right, I, you know, I was just looking around doing that. And then um, I ended up like this company ended up like coming to me and like, like responded back to me quickly. And I was just like, all right. And then I started going through this like long, strenuous like interviewing process that took like four months and I ended up getting it and I did not expect to get it at all. Like it was just a complete shock, like, and when I got the offer, they were like, yeah, we need you to move out in one month. And I was like, what? <laughs> like, I'm just like, I had no plans to ever move out of state, like ever. It just happened. So I got the opportunity. I was freaking out. Like, I wasn't even talking about it to other people um, when I got the job because I was just so scared. I was just like, I'm about to make the biggest choice in my life. And um I did it. So I got out here and it was cool. It's cool. Like the pace of California is nothing like Detroit, of course, especially today. Everyone is like really work and career oriented. Um, You know, I ended up like networking with people in like uh, our network at work. We have like this black network where you know, we get together. It's almost like that college, like the college, the black union at your college. So it's like that at my job. So we, you know, we hang and we do all those things. But then the pandemic hit. <laughs> now I'm confined to the house for six months. <laughs> so there's that. That's California for me. But I'm really grateful to be here. Uh, it pulled me out of my comfort zone, which was something I definitely needed to experience. Yeah, you've had like really like revealing moments like you've had moments that revealed like where you you know where you are who you are and then you had moments like that changed exactly like where you are you know what I'm saying that you had to exact adapt and shift like even your time zones changed like yeah your whole concept of time had to change like <sighs> yeah I believe like, you. like how did you handle that how did you do that um the time zones of course it's when I first got here, it just felt like I was on an endless vacation. It took me a month to unpack my things. Like I kept my things in my suitcase and I was just like living out my suitcase. And I just couldn't grasp that I moved. I was just like, I really booked the flight. That was my first time ever booking a flight with no return. Like that was just a, like a one-way ticket. And I was just like, I just kept looking at my calendar. Like when am I home? When do I need to check in to go back home? And I was just like, dang, this is it. So I think the hard part is just like being so far away and like that time difference because it's like I can't talk to my loved ones whenever. Like when you all are awake, I'm still sleeping. When I finally get off work, y'all about to go to bed. So I really have to figure out and manage like how I can stay connected with people and communicate with people who um I love most and especially and then I could be chatting on the phone at like eight and I'll be like, dang, I forgot it's time for this person to go to bed. You know, I gotta let my mama go. Like it's eleven o'clock for her. She gotta go. So that'd be hard. Sometimes I just have short phone conversations with people and just be like just to check in, just to let them know I'm still, you know, I'm okay and then we go our separate ways. Yeah. I know this would be difficult because I know when um, we were talking one time, I was like, ooh. <laughs> I said, well, what time is it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I said, your son's still out? Like, I, I seen through the window, I seen that you had the sun peeking in. I'm like, hmm, that ain't, uh, the sun ain't up over here. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, like so, <laughs> and it's, and that's so crazy, like now I feel like time fake, now that I live out here, I don't even think time is real, because it's like, <laughs> we are in this same moment existing, but everything different, like I could be in a whole different day than y'all, and I'd be like, what? <laughs> you guys just be like, oh dang, like it's nine o'clock here, it's a whole different day for y'all, so that's just so, uh, 
that's just like I think my whole concept of time now I just have a completely different outlook on it and now it doesn't even help now you have the pandemic so that makes time move even weirder because it's like we're all waiting for something to fucking end but it's Mm -hmm. not it it does it's just like dang like at first my days felt like it was running into each other but with me like working remotely I feel like I still have a sense of time like with the days of the week at least and then like I'm just because I'm still pressed with the weekend everybody was like oh every day feel like the weekend I'm like no it don't like I be working like mm-hmm. <laughs> like I can feel when it's Monday I can still feel when it's Monday I can still feel when it's Tuesday because I be waiting for the weekend so I can finally unplug from work and just lay in my bed in peace you know, I kind of miss that. Like, I miss having, you know, looking forward to the weekend. Like, now I just look forward to, like, specific moments and, like, events. Like, I'd be like, okay, I'm the one who wants to have dinner at this time. I know, because I've been freelancing, or, like, I know I need to have this prepared for someone at this time. I know I need mm-hmm. that. Like, that's the only thing I look for. I don't see it as, like, oh, on Saturday I do this. I'm like, on this date, I do dot, dot, dot. Like, mm-hmm. at all. Like, today I was talking to um, a friend of mine, and he was like, what day is it? And I'm like, 19. Uh, you be thinking. You needed to think about it. Definitely need to think about it. Like, so I'm just sitting here like, man, time really means absolutely nothing. You know, nothing. For Asian. <laughs> yeah, like for me, I, um, I have to like give myself busy work. Like you mentioned earlier, you give your thing, yourself things to look forward to. Like, so I'll be like, oh, this day I'll like do my hair or this day I'll play in some makeup or this day or this time I'll like cook something and like, or I'll meal prep or something. Like yesterday I had meal prep. So I was like, oh, okay. So I don't have to worry about cooking. So like, I'm trying to figure out things to keep myself busy. So I'm creating new hobbies for myself because before the pandemic, I didn't cook at all. Not that I can't cook um just time didn't permit for me because with actually physically having to go to work and living in the bay um commuting literally takes it steals your day from you um you can spend three hours or more a day commuting um Jesus Christ. so by the time I came home like I'll be off the house at 6 45 every day and I won't come back home until seven seven eight o'clock so I'm gone the whole day so cooking was just not a thing I was just eating at work bringing a meal from home eat it take a shower and I'm literally crashing in the bed like so that was my day so now that we're in a pandemic I'm cooking more than ever which I do like I said I don't like cooking but I have to figure out a way to enjoy it because I have to feed myself (laughs) so um I try to make cooking fun so I like got me a little food subscription like with HelloFresh or whatever so it'd be cool like to look forward to those meals because they're already prepped for me I don't have to do the like shopping so that helps me enjoy the process of food um cooking because I think that's what it is thinking about what I want to eat I don't like thinking I'm I'm very indecisive I don't never know what I want to eat so if the ingredients are there it's just like oh fuck it this one I'm gonna eat today so that gives me a little joy or something to look forward to, especially if it's a meal that I'm like really excited to do. Oh, I've seen you've been you've been doing your thing. I've seen some I've seen some plates here, you know. You've been you've been throwing down, you know. I see you've been working. I see you've been eating good, you know. So I respect. <laughs> you know, I try. I try. I try. You do. You do. You be doing. You know, like you. I try. Yeah, <laughs> like, I was, like order cooking or. Um, what else do I look for? Oh, doing my makeup. That's another thing. Like, beauty is sort of my thingy I like to do. Um, but it's just like, dang, I ain't got nowhere to go. So that's usually when I get all dolled up. But so sometimes on the weekend, I'm just like, you know what? When I'm ever when I'm feeling inspired, I'll, uh, you know, do my face and do my hair, 
take a little selfie, you know, put myself on the internet a little bit, get a little compliments, you know, and I just smile. <laughs> that, that just be my <laughs> highlight of my day. <laughs> Getting compliments from people on the internet. <laughs> so, oh my goodness. Look at us. Look how far we've come. <laughs> Literally. It's just like, like... <laughs> And, and it's so funny, you know, what I think about this all the time, like right before the pandemic, there was a stretch where I had went out six weekends in a row, like literally six weekends in a row, nonstop. I was just going out, out, like going to the bar. And that was when I was finally getting back to my like social self, like because before I was just literally in the house and that's not like me because when I was in Detroit, Anybody who knows me knows I'm like really social. I enjoy going out with my friends and I enjoy hanging out and being new people. Um, and that was just not happening for me here. And I was like almost like getting depressed because I was like feeling lonely. Like I don't know nobody out here. I literally moved out. Like I moved to the Bay. And that's another thing. People have this misconception that I live in LA. And I actually live in the Bay, which is literally pre-COVID is a 10 hour drive from each other so it's like driving to a three states over like it's far like that's how big california is it could be its own country like the drive through it you could spend 10 hours driving in california and still be in california so um if i was in la it'd probably be a little easier easier to meet people um i could probably link up with some people who i know that are there but here i literally don't know so so um yeah, so it was just like, dang, like now my social life that I was kind of gaining out here gone, but you know, it's cool. <laughs> you know, You'll I'm crying, you know, I'm crying in my bedroom about it, but it's fine. <laughs> I want you to know whenever you cry in your bedroom, somebody else is crying in their bedroom too. So you're not That's alone. True. <laughs> you're, I'm not alone. <laughs> your tears are in tandem with our spirit. You know what I'm saying? We all, <laughs> we all weep in the fetal position in our bed. Wishing for company. That's hobby. No, that's hobby. Like I just be like, man, and you know, I have strict. You know, I I can't have no company. But the thing is, it's like, what company would be coming over here? I don't know nobody out here. So it's just be like, mm-hmm. all right, like that's it. Like that's my day. I'm just I work and I just sit in my room or I watch TV in the living room or I just. You know, be on Twitter, and that's that's the day in the life of cool in the bay during COVID. Wow, they really got you <laughs> messed up. COVID, COVID really got you COVID, messed up, dog. COVID tried to steal my joy. I ain't gonna lie. You know, but, but it damn not. near succeeded. It's not. It's not gonna take it from you, no. Nah, it be taking it from me sometimes. I ain't gonna lie. I can't sit up here in front. It be taking my joy, but you know, I be having to do things to get myself back and recharge and just you know, be intentional with um, my self care and how I'm taking care of myself and. I'm just being real with my feelings. So that's what I've been doing a lot. Like making sure that I'm acknowledging every feeling I feel versus trying to um, scoot it under the rug and like try to ignore it. It's just like if, I'm, if I feel like I need to cry, I just cry. If I want to laugh, I laugh. Like whatever I feel, I pause. I acknowledge it. I let my body go through it and I move forward. That's that's my... um. My COVID mantra. <laughs> yeah, and especially because we're really isolated right now. Like, mm-hmm. what else do you have to do but deal with your fucking self? You might as well deal with yourself the best way you can. Like, right, right. That's true. Like, like, you can't be like, oh, I'm about to go out to the bar and draw my shit. You know what I'm saying? With X, Y, Z, whoop de whoop. Yeah. No, like, you're going to gonna get more depressed at the crib. Yeah, so you might be trying. It's cool. You know, I got into, um, oh, yeah, I forgot. I got into, like, nature and stuff. I'll be hiking, and um, I was doing that and stuff, so that was fun. Like, I ended up going to Yosemite, like, my first national park. That was, like, a serene experience. Really loved it. Um, I ended up, I just, just started doing a whole bunch of outdoorsy shit and found out that I like the outdoors, so there's that. <laughs> a lover of the outdoors. Look at you, just a city girl. Yeah, just, can you believe it? 
I can see like you out in the doors and the while you done did so much. You done changed times, you know, work for a tech company, you know. Yeah, that's crazy too. I just be like that. And it's so funny. People be thinking like I know all this like smart stuff. And I be like, I don't know nothing about this job. I'm just here. So I don't get fined. Like (laughs) I show up to work. Like, I be telling people, like, y'all, I'm still a teacher, you know, that's just one department, one organization within this huge platform. So, um, it's really cool, though. I would have never imagined in a million years that I'll be an educator, like, working on where I do now. So, it's really cool. I'm just really grateful for this past year and how things turned and how I just was finally like took a risk and went with the flow of things not even going with the flow I don't need to say that like I took a risk and I think it helped me be more intentional and open my eyes to living with more intention versus going with the flow like how I was and I think when I was just going with the flow I was very complacent with what I was doing um, and now it's just like my eyes are just open to so much more opportunity. So um, besides COVID, I'm very grateful for all the experiences that I've went through this past year. It's definitely been, I wouldn't even say a roller coaster. It's just been like a steady climb. Um, you know, I hope to not decline at all. <laughs> I hope to just keep going up and up and up. <laughs> And just keep going. And I hope it does too. I feel like it will for you though. You know. I hope so. <laughs> Fingers crossed. Like all I want is joy for your life. You know what I mean, like that's very important. You talked earlier about you know, COVID selling your joy, but I feel like that might be happiness. You know, I feel like joy is something that is innate. Like joy is like something that you find something in because it's something like a part of you. Like yeah. part of you that you find in something else. So it's like I don't feel like something can take your joy away because you'd never be able to find it again. Like joy is just something that's, that's that's who you are. Like it's you know what? I like that. I'm gonna start rolling with that. Like you can't you can you can get me down a little bit, but you can't steal my joy. You know, you can make me upset, you can make me sad, but you can't steal my joy. I like that. That sounded mm-hmm. real churchy. You sounded like a preacher's kid. Hello, somebody. <laughs> I was like, listen, my mama was used to serve. I say I grew up in the church. Say I was on the praise team. I was acting in that thing. Okay, now <laughs> listen. Listen, I was that kid. I used to be the, uh, the kid who had to pray at Thanksgiving before everybody yep. ate. I had to do it all. They still made me I pray. I'd be everything. like, I'd be like, you guys, my re- my religious views have drast- um, drastically changed in um, the past few years. And they'd be like, Matthew, uh, go uh, do a grace, you know, your little pastor. They I'm don't like, care nothing about that. <laughs> <laughs> you just, just got to pray it through. And just I'd be like, uh, fucking it. zealots. <laughs> like, just drink just the Kool-Aid and shut the fuck up. Like, just drink the Kool-Aid. You're not about to tell your mama that you're not about to pray because of your new religious views. No, you know what? No, pray. because it's, first of all, I'm not going to embarrass my mama like that in front of Period. everybody. Um, <laughs> because if I'm going to embarrass my mama like that in front of everybody, it's going to be on a much funnier basis. So, okay. <laughs> I, you know. Now you're going to be the kid that they be talking about at church. Oh, you know, our, you know um, Sister Shirley's son don't be praising God no more. Like, you know, you don't want to bring that type of strife to your mama. Just oh, my mama told me not forward. to come back. <laughs> she told me not to come back to our church. <laughs> oh my god! Because I forget he said something. He said something about them. He said something about the Middle East. I said, hmm, "I'm about them drone strikes too, eh?" And then like, my mom was like, "You don't need to care no more." I was like, "I really didn't want to come in the first place because I kept falling okay. asleep." And he voted for Trump. Like, I'm like, oh my Jesus. Yeah. Ooh, yeah. You know, church life. <laughs> church life be steep. It was steep because Cuz used to, he ran for Senate. Um, he ran 
running from senator at some point in time too. And he was, you know, he just shiesty ass nigga trying to like drill for oil. You know how much of a piece of dirty shit you have to be to go out your way and try to dig in the ground for fucking oil, do an oil wheel out of all things the earth needs. Yeah, like, I would, like, that would never <laughs> cross my mind, like, ever. Like, he definitely was, like, openly, like, even though, you know, I'm not part of the Obama train um, anymore, but, like, when, like, he was just mainly, like, advocating severely, like, he was a big Bush guy, like, he would always talk about GW and GW, and I'm, like, I used to be a little kid, so, you know, I'm just... Ooh, that's weird. People in your church? Uh, bro, he's the pastor sitting Ooh, here, Lord. like mega church. I'm just sitting here, like Ooh, I'm, I'm like, oh, you niggas is different. And it was mad black people in that thing, bro. So I'm saying, like, oh, you niggas wrong. is different. Like I was just really unsettled. Like I was like, mama, I feel like this macaroni that they make here is gonna be real fucking loose. And yeah, I, I'm, yeah. I'm, I just can't trust it. You know, I'm like, I can mm-hmm. definitely see your new. Yeah, because, you know, of course, we all have the extreme in church, but I never had the advocacy of conservatives. Like, you know, like, you know how I be. Like, technically, we both be conservatives. Yeah, yeah, you know, like, technically, we both to be. If you need to be Christian, you both, whatever. But, you know, I ain't trying to get into all that, the politics. (laughs) About to say, if we want to keep it a being, Jesus was the furthest from conservative and was killed for not being that way. Okay, so, (laughs) so, I was like, I ain't never seen that before. But, you know, you smile your light, you smile your spot, you know, be grateful for that. (laughs) It's so wild. It, it it was really it's I knew it was different because when we had I think it was like they had like a new member little like lunch or little reception after like church or whatever and they had like was it little rolls of California rolls and mm-hmm. they had like a whole bunch of these little track snacks I said this ain't catch the Holy Ghost Church food. <laughs> <laughs> I looked in here, I said, what in the Kroger Deli section of the party train? I said, grandma's yeah. ain't in here making this. Somebody yeah. lied. We, like, need, <laughs> we need big arms and thick ankles up in the kitchen. We don't need that. <laughs> My dad's Catholic church. The aunties be in there throwing. Really? That's a Catholic joint? At the, think about it. It's in the city, though. And oh, it's on, okay. it's on the east side. <laughs> So I'm just like, I don't wouldn't say just like realize, but someone brought it to my attention, the presence, uh, the Catholic presence in Detroit. And I was like, oh my God, y'all are so right. Like there are so, like the Catholic church is a big deal in Detroit, but I never realized that or like paid attention to it because I, I didn't, I don't know anyone who's Catholic personally. Um, well, until I got an adult, I started meeting people who grew up in Catholic churches, but as a child, I always went to a non-denominational church, so um, I didn't know anything else about other people's stuff, so yeah, that's really interesting, like, to see those type of intersections within. Because we everywhere, like, you're going to find Black people in the strangest places. Like, it always, like, befuddles me that Isaac Hayes was a Scientologist. Like, it's so, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, really? she, yeah, like he was a Scientologist. That definitely, like, I think that's actually the you reason know. he quit South Park because they were making fun of Scientology on an episode. And I guess he was like, oh, I draw the line at Scientology with all the things South Park is like <laughs> made fun. All of. the things. Like, oh my goodness. I never, so I never found South Park to have any humor. I thought it was just too vulgar for me. And it's funny because I like, I'm into dark humor and like silly shit like that, but South Park was just like... South Park is extra rude. Like, it's either really funny or it's really gross. Like, it's no in between here. And like, no matter where you go in South Park, you can pick up wherever. Like, it's not like a show where you have to like pick up in the middle of like you got to pick up at like season one to finally catch up. It's not like an anime 
where you need to hop right. in and see him get bullied for the first three episodes. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's not one of those at all. Like South Park is a constant because it's like a social commentary. So I think that's what's really good about South Park. I watched a lot of South Park and um, I used to sneak and watch South Park when I was a kid because they was cussing and shit. See, that's the um, and... that's the devil's work. Suddenly, stop playing. And I used to watch a lot in college because like my my roommate, like he wasn't my roommate actually. He was like basically my dorm mate. He was just like across, like I don't know the room, the hall. I guess he was the room across from mine, and we would just get blowed and just like watch South Park or watch anime for like hours. Like my brain is absolutely fried from it. <laughs> it was a great time. Like that's South Park is definitely an acquired taste because not even all the times I was laughing, I was just more intrigued. Like. Who the fuck sits here and comes up with this? Like that's what made me really think about that. Like when I watched South Park, like I really think like somebody really sat and put this shit together and puts this shit together almost every week for like twenty something years. Ridiculous. It's like The Simpsons. Like Oof, come back, you can play it all on me. Oh, there it is. I'm I don't know it was either. I made like I made like jokes to you and you didn't say anything. So I was just like, I'll just go keep going. I was like, all right. You ready to start? Yeah, we we gonna keep this shit fuck it. This fun. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, we can keep it in. This all good. Okay. Um. So one thing I want to uh, bring it back to you was um. Let's talk about just our first month back in school. So, have you started teaching? Um. When did you start? Okay. So, uh, with early childhood, um, usually it's like almost like a daycare setting. Um, I hate that word, but, um, that is usually all year round. So that type of schooling, like, um, infant through preschool or pre-K is usually all year round. So I never have stopped teaching. So I'm on a break right now because we have to take a break to restructure our whole program because what we were doing initially was um, we just, like all teachers, we just literally just transitioned into remote learning, like just bust out content the best we could. And um, doing that, which was really, really stressful because you just don't have that training. You just would never have thought in a million years that you would be working at home. Like teachers, like the dream of working from home, it just, it's a dream for us. It's, that's something that's never for us a chance to be reality. So to be sitting on my desk and teaching is just the craziest thing to me. Like, it almost doesn't make sense to me, but we do it. So, like, I don't even know how we're doing it. Um, so I haven't started school. Actually, we're going to start our new school year this Monday. Um, we had took a three-week break because our old children, my old children, because I taught um, pre-kindergarten, all those children are now going to kindergarten. So I don't have any students right now, and I'm waiting for, like, the incoming students Um because we had to three weeks of restructuring and yeah so um i'm excited i'm nervous i'm overwhelmed i'm all things right now just like all teachers it's just it's just a lot like teaching from your computer is just a, a way different experience like now it's just like I'm just, I want to be back in the classroom. Like if I have to choose, I would rather not do it like this. Um, I like those interpersonal relationships. I like being around my students. Um, I like being able to comfort them when they need that comfort. Um, I like being able to give them that one-on-one -on -one time um, and just building those like authentic relationships with them and talking to parents when they come and drop off and pick up. So like you lose so much of the essence of the classroom and you have to bring it on the laptop, you know, like that's so hard. Um, yeah. Trying to support all these different children and how they learn and with them being as young, no child learns best with the computer. I mean, let's just be real. Like most people don't learn the best from just 
face to face in the computer. Most people I know are hands on learners or, you know, they need that real physical experience. So, yeah, it's just it's tough. I ain't gonna lie. It's real tough. So it's like I'm just hoping that like COVID can get its act together. So if I could continue this work, I can go back to the classroom and complain about being back in the classroom. <laughs> complain about your commute. <laughs> yeah, complain about my commute and complain about being overworked and you know all that other teacher stuff that comes with being in the classroom. <laughs> Things are gonna be just so different. Like when if I don't know, things go back to normal. Um, yeah. what, what seems to be a sense of normalcy um, or what the new normal will be because so many people are gone and yeah. on top of so many people being gone like like just what people have experienced over the past few like months is going to take a psychological toll like and I and I worry about kids when it comes to that because they don't get a chance to like be socialized in the same way and like also that Nobody really knows how to explain what is going on well enough, you know what I'm saying, to satisfy any party. So like, yeah. you know what I'm saying? <laughs> so, I'll say this. Um, I know you like people constantly worry about the children, but one thing about kids, kids are so resilient. These, like, like during the times of like hard times, like, you be trying to like preserve the innocence of a child or you be trying to feel like you need to, how can I explain this to a kid or how can I like dumb it down? I hate to use that word for a child to understand. And the thing is they get it. They have it. Like we don't give enough credit to children on how much they already know and how much they've already observing from around them. Like kids are very observant. They That's all they have. Like they can't read. they can't gain information on their own um so children literally have their five senses like that's literally their how they survive so they lean on it really really well like um so they're observing. I saw you, you will do something and then you will see like your niece or your nephew say something. You'll be like, what? Like, how did you even know that? Like, I didn't even know you were aware of that, but they pick up on things. Um, before I, um, when COVID started emerging and before the schools closed, my kids were on the playground playing doctor. And what they were doing was they were treating their patients for who had COVID. They kept Jesus saying, they were like, yes, yes. So we were on the play structure and, you know, a lot of um, our work, a lot of my work is um, observation and um, we tailor our curriculum to what children's interest is. So it's not like K through 12 where you have standards and you have to, you have to do this. Like I have some autonomy. The children have some autonomy. Like we work together. Like the children's are, children are almost my partner versus me overseeing them. Like they tell me what they want to learn and I have to tailor the classroom to experience for their experiences. So it's really cool. That's why I like this. Like the kids get to tell me what they want to learn versus me telling them what they have to learn. So, um, So they were running around the playground and I was like, what are you all doing? So they was all laying, it was a whole bunch of kids just laying down on their back and they pretending to be like in a hospital bed or whatever. And I was like, what's, what's wrong with them? They was like, oh, they have coronavirus. And I was like, what? <laughs> so my eyes got big because I didn't even know they were aware <laughs> of corona. So they was going around telling people that they had corona. Like, what? <laughs> So that's why it's very important when these big events, life events happen, that you do sit down and tell your child because they're already processing it. So if you don't tell them, they're going to process it in a whole different way. So if you kind of want to like be there in that process with them and have those conversations, it's very important to have these conversations with your children because they know. And don't think, you know, a lot of people be like, oh, hush, hush, they don't need to know about that. And it's just like, they already know. So you, if, if you want to kind of like take control over it, 
have that conversation because they done soaked it up already and they're gonna or they're gonna learn from somebody else and it might not be in a manner that you feel comfortable with so yeah so children are very resilient they actually handle things way better than adults <laughs> so because yeah. yeah, kids don't really have any assumptions um <laughs> It's just like all the sensory um, experience. Yeah, yeah like the, actually their whole life is just nothing but assumptions and hypotheses. Like everything is a question for them. Everything is an experiment for them. So this is like I said, like they can't go out their way and find information. They can't research it. They can't get on the internet and start typing blah, 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 blah. Because you know they just don't have that skill. This literacy skills just aren't there yet. But um, they listen a lot. They listen to the adults around them. They listen to their parents. They're listening or watching the shows that you watch. So um, yeah, it's just important to like include your children in these big things. Like there's no reason to be hiding it from them because they're going to learn. And it doesn't seem like it's going to go away anytime soon. Yeah, it's not. So you got to get to teacher is going to say something or the kids are going to say something. Yep, the kids are going to say something. The teacher's going to say something. So yeah, um, that's what you got to do. Um, even with um, these issues, with all these social injustices that's been happening, the kids know. And we, um, me and my team, we were trying to create a plan to like talk to the children about racism. And there were so many adults who were just like, uh uh-huh, they too young. I don't know. I worry if I tell my child about this, then they're gonna start doing it was just so much pushback. Like, cause parents weren't comfortable talking about it. I was like, let me tell you, your child is already aware. Your child is already aware of differences. They already are um, participating in exclusionary play. So basically meaning like a kid could be like, oh, I don't want to play with you because your hair is straight and mine is curly. So they're already doing that. So one day, if you don't grab the reins of this now, one day it's going to turn into, I don't want to play with you because you black and I'm white or vice versa, you know, like stuff like that. So kids already know the differences and they already start can pull apart characteristics on what relates to them and what relates to someone else. So that's what we have to really tell parents, like, hey, like, it's very important that you tell your child now versus waiting till they're older. And this is why we have all these people who do these racist things and don't even realize they're racist because it's like, oh, you know, the, the, oh, I have black friends, but you're doing clearly racist stuff. That's because you just you had the privilege of not having these conversations versus the black kids where we were talking about these when we were children. You know, we were always having these conversations. So that's, you know, that just goes all into that. So it's just like include your children. Like your children, they they know they got it. They're resilient. They're going to bounce back and they're going to get better, actually. you. This is the opportunity to create a better you. And it's so interesting because like, when you <clears throat> when people talk about like protecting kids from conversation they always seem think that childhood is always like lacking information and not like a constant seeking of it mm-hmm. that's true and it's just like it's as if learning doesn't start until you're an adult or until you're ready and it's just like learning is constant like it's it never stops literally until you die so not to be like dramatic but like it's just like what like what good does it do to keep this information from your child like nothing like what does good does it do to stop to to withhold a, a, a conversation about racism with your child nothing like literally nothing like it just doesn't or what good does it do to hide the the big news events or the big world events from them. It literally does nothing. It's just like, hey, like this is an opportunity for them to learn. And a lot of times they just fear that child have an agency that's opposite from theirs. That's um, the <laughs> also a thing, but you know what? I be trying to not project. <laughs> so I just be like, <laughs> I be having conversations with parents and be like, you know, 
how can we help? You know, just like, what, what can we do? How can we move forward? You know, so that's I try to do that. How can but, I be of greater assistance? Yeah, you know, like, how child. can I assist? Like, what, you know, I'm, I'm trying to get out this language of using that term. What makes you feel comfortable? You know, because it's just like, none of this is comfortable. This pandemic isn't comfortable. The, um, Racism isn't comfortable. All these big topics aren't comfortable. And it's just like, you you, you got to break that barrier of walking on eggshells with things. Now, what I can do is make it child-friendly, you know, like, you know, not even, you know, we can change it up a bit. I can change my approach on how I would speak to them, you know, about how I'm speaking to you, of course, wouldn't be how I would speak to a child. That's what I can do. And that's about it. And that's okay. That's what J. Cole wants. J. Cole wants to be talked to like a child. All righty. See, now that's a different topic. <laughs> because I was like, you got you to gotta talk to niggas like they kids. I'm like, no the no. fuck you don't. No. I'm like, first of all. That's why I like niggas, but that's a different topic. <laughs> you know what? And that's a different topic. And you know, I'm ready for it. And first no. of all, I have a whole topic on how I hate rappers. Um <laughs> I like every single one. Like I enjoy rap. Like, I love rap from the bottom of my heart, and I love hip hop, and I love the art of rapping. But I hate rappers. Because I actually, know, I don't know. I don't have an opinion of rappers. I listen to the music, unless you like go out your way to show me that you just on some BS. Yes then that's when I have my opinion about you but other than that it's just like I'm here for the music you know but like you you know you do want to show out in the media then you have your T.I. opinion then okay <laughs> then it's just like <laughs> expeditiously then, yeah then you done expeditiously you out of here you done <laughs> so <laughs> I met a few rappers in my day and um most rappers have a certain profile and um, I'm not a fan. I'm not a fan. And, you know, they, they, a lot of them, but they stop. They stop reading. Like I hear a lot of rappers be like, "Yeah, man, I don't really read for real." Da, da, da. Like even rappers you would say you think would be like conscious and shit. Like, but most I'd be like, "Yeah, I don't really be a." Listen, really be that J Cole stuff. I ain't gonna lie, that threw me off. Kendrick said the same in the interview too. Huh? Kendrick said a similar thing. He was talking about how he really? like doesn't read for real. This is like some years back. This is not. You like, know what? Let me say this. <clears throat> but I believe after damn was some bullshit anyway. How are we talking about like reading? Because I don't think you can go out your way and just like not read. Because there was a time in my life I did not read. Like I I grew up a reader, and then like. Uh, I went a long span without reading and I had just got back into reading like two, three years ago. So my thing is, it's just like, what do you mean you're not a reader? Because somehow you're getting your news, like whether it's Twitter, whether it's, you know, social media, talking to people or whatever. So like, it's just like, which like, I don't know, like, that's why I just be like, niggas just be talking. So. <laughs> rich niggas just be talking and they need to shut the fuck up. Yeah, like, it's like, what you talking about? It's such a rich ass a reader. Because I know a lot of people, like, and I do get it, like, of course, like, in order to get information, because it's like, are you saying you're not a reader or you just don't be seeking out information? You know, like, I don't know. Maybe I'm like jumping in. And that's your fault. That. Like, people would be like, <laughs> I don't see, I don't, yeah, I don't be reading. I don't, you know, I don't pay attention to this, that, and the third because I don't let nobody <laughs> yeah. manipulate me. No, you're stupid as fuck. And you <laughs> willingly chose not to gather new information because you that's swear where you are right now is enough. Okay, and that's why I'm confused because like, what you mean you're not a reader? Because even if you didn't pick up a Malcolm X book, <laughs> if you on Twitter, bro, people be on there preaching. Do you know how many of my followers I have learned something from? Like, people be big preaching on there. So when I see something, I be like, hmm, let me fact check that, like, or let me engage with that tweet to get more information. It's just like... Are you not doing that? Like it's just, and that's where that laziness came from. It's just like, Especially and I see this. Yeah, it's just like, bro, it's to the point where you don't even have to seek the information because the information is just literally punching you in the face. Like mm. it's squaring up with you. So it's just like, how are you saying you're not reading? It's right there. <laughs> that's what I'm just like, do you have a disability or something? That's like, that's what I'm just like. It's got to be something more to the statement because, like I said, I don't be 
reading these big white what those type of books like you know them type of books memoirs. Yeah. Epics. I be reading that I read a lot of fantasy sci-fi you know like you look at my library it's a whole bunch of like non-fiction well no fiction <laughs> <laughs> it's a whole bunch of just you know fairy tale type stuff but I still am aware of things, you know. So it's just like that's just so saying you're not a reader, just like a weak ass excuse. Because like, if you want to pull that, I don't be reading those type of stuff. I'm about to start getting into it, like reading a lot of anti-racism stuff or autobiographies and stuff. Because like the information is just so in my face, it's just like literally forcing me. Like, all right, girl, like you got to actually understand what people talking about. Because people having a deep conversation, and sometimes I be looking like, dang, like how you know that? Oh, they read. So let me go be like them. You know, it's just like, dang, like the convention not even hit you. <laughs> yeah bro like what's what is this like i think it really might just be some rich nigga shit like once you get like rich to a certain degree like you like you were talking about how remember we were talking about you telling me how the bay seems like kind of disconnecting in its own different bubble yeah 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 yeah. the bay um, is oh child i feel like that's how some like certain rich people are especially no, like it is and it's and it's so disheartening, especially with the black people who grew up like kind of like how we did. Then now you get money, and it's just like you just so disconnected. And it's just like you've been rich for so long, you just disconnected with reality. Like, bruh, like this, I don't know. It's just like, what do money be doing to people that makes them like just, ugh, I don't know. It's just weird. Like, I don't know. Like that's it, that. Capitalism. It gives them access and mobility. Like yeah, access and mobility. Like if you're not where you were in proximity to those people anymore, you you have no incentive to return to being. And that's the thing. See, see, this what it is with me. See, I try to think about it. Like when you bubbling up in life. Okay, me. I grew up in the hood or whatever. Mm-hmm. Then I went to college. Most people in my hood didn't go to college. I did not forget where I came from. You know, like, or now I have this, like, name job. I, d- I still don't forget. You know, I'm, I know I'm gaining access to more things. Like, I'm, but it's just like, I still don't forget where I, I came ask from. questions <laughs> like, like when I even when I was gone, like I was asking questions and figuring out what was going on in the hood, what was going on in the street. Like I exactly. needed to know, like you yeah. know, like. But it's like a, it's a separation. I don't think we can really understand that in our position, yeah. because or we can try to, but it would have to be like a large like thing of picking things apart. It would have to go from like fucking OJ to Michael Jackson, fucking, you know what I'm saying, Tina Turner, Diana Ross. We have to dig through all these people who like became like very disconnected. Oh, you're talking about going through the whole industry. Yeah, we have to go through what that looks like. See, but for me, it's just like as I constantly kept leveling up, my I just kept, I kept going through these periods of awakening. Like growing up in the hood, you'd be like, okay, this life is normal. Poverty is normal. This is just what life is. Until I got to Michigan State, and I'm like, oh, this is when I understood institutionalized racism. I said, okay. Now I get it. Because when I was in the hood, I couldn't understand it. When I was in Detroit, I couldn't understand it. I was just like, oh, we live in a post-racial society, blah, blah, blah. And I was just like, girl, you don't know that because you all around Black people. So how can you even make that assumption? You know, but that was just because I was ignorant. I didn't know nothing else but the being on the block and going to school. But now it's just like every time I get to a different level, I'm just like, it kind of makes me sad because it's just like, dang, like I'm here, but it's just like, it's so many other people that's not here or don't know about this or won't know about this. Like now I feel like I'm in this like privileged world. Now now I feel like I have privilege, not even feel, I know I have privilege because I have been able to go through a whole bunch of life experience, positive life experiences versus the people where I came, where I live or I'm from. They just, like, sadly, they just won't experience it. Like, they just won't. So it's just, like, I never want to get to that point where I just disconnect from that. And 
turn my privilege into this elitism and just be like be on some Kanye stuff, you know? <laughs> like I don't want to be like that. Like that disconnect is crazy. So I just I'm always in a state of just like being grateful and not even I want to say humbling myself, but just being just take a deep breath. Be like, dang, like you just did a lot of stuff. You worked hard. You got here. But I'm always acknowledged. But the journey feels so much better when I remember where I came from or when I acknowledge where I came from. Right, because your your past really leads to how you dictate and shaped your present. Yeah, like that's my future. You know, that's like, it's just like, how can I be happy with all this versus like other people where, you know, they came from money. That's, it's just like, this is the only life they know. So it's just like, okay, like, what's the big deal? For me, being here in California, huge deal, because I planned on living in Detroit for the rest of my life. Now I feel like I can travel the world and live everywhere. So, you know, just that quick and over a year, my whole perspective on life changed. But I can't forget where I came from. And that's something that's a really um, deep about access that we uh, we talk that I always bring up access and mobility, um, the uh, like the ability to like see what's above you to see that next point because a lot of times for us in the hood we we don't really see the next step. You know, like we see the like the extra gregarious, you know, shows of wealth or we see, oh, they got this or oh, we got that. Like this is the next step in the ladder that we have to take it to. Like it's so big. It's like, all right, whatever is that? Yeah. Like, at the end and of the day, is that like and you can't, you know what I'm saying? And you, and you stuck and you have to accept it because it's larger than where you are and it's larger than you can be unless yeah. you have a certain unless you're found valuable or deemed valuable by the system or can be made to provide a greater value, you know what I'm saying, for someone else. Like, it's it's so, um, a lot of times it's just disheartening because it makes me wonder, like, how much potential was not crafted. And I think about that often when I think about the three high schools testing system and uh, Mm -hmm. DPS. And I think about, you know, who didn't receive access to what, you know, I would think about like, dang, like, man, when I got grown and found out Cass's curriculum structure, I was like, what? <laughs> like, I went to Mumford, so that whole structure to me, that was that that luxury to me, and that's crazy because somebody cool, somebody else could be looking at Cass and be like, oh, that, oh, that's that's nothing, like you know, but for me. You know, I took that test, honey. I ain't getting my school of choice. I was went right to my neighborhood school. So, um, yeah, it just also makes me think about how I went with the flow with a lot of things and how I got caught up in being complacent to where I was because that next step was just so big for me. It just felt like it was just like so out of reach because it's just like this is my life, you know, but now that I'm here, it's just like, dang, now I can see the next step clearly, like straight ahead, clear as day. I just got to like be intentional and do what I need to do. Cause that's, and that's that social mobility. Like it's just something about having that or having yeah. the, the concept that you're able to do that. That's mm-hmm. something in of itself makes you powerful and makes you somebody who will demand value or better treatment. You know, Mm -hmm. because now you're in this position, you're not going to just accept anything from anywhere or any type of person because you're like, hey, (laughs) like, okay, like, I've been compensated this, I've completed this, like, you know, I'm able to do this, that, and the third. So, it's, it's no way that you know that you would allow it. But like once you give people access to those things or give them resources, like they're going to be like, hey, like give it the fuck back. Like you can't expect me to just go back to normal after yeah, yeah, that. Yeah. You know, like that's true. It's, that's now what I advocate I, for myself way more now because mm-hmm. it's just like, and which is annoying because I hate having to use like credentials or even though credentials are good. Can be, of course, unique because sometimes you just need conditions. You can't avoid it. But I hate having to use like credentials or like leveling up to prove myself. 
you know, because there's so many people who weren't able to level up. And I know they can do this. I know they can be here. Level up they in the just, form of careers, right? Yeah, just okay. anything. Yeah, but mostly careers because, you know, people find validation through careers money. and money and, you know, then okay. the money, okay. possessions and that whole thing. So, but it's oh, just like, yeah, you know, that whole line, timeline, but it's just like, now that I'm here, it's just like, dang, it sucks because we have create, well, we're in this world where it's just like, dang, like everybody is just credential crazy or title crazy or, and that's how they, that's, that's their identity. And, um, people who haven't gotten there yet, I know they can do this. Like, now that I'm here, I just be like, dang, I wish I could put everybody on, like, because y'all can do this. But it's so, we all can have this awakening and be like, yeah, I'm moving with attention. I know what I'm doing. I'm moving up that ladder or whatever your umbrella of assessment might look like. So, you know, I just be really trying to put the good energy out for everybody. Like, I want everybody to, this year has been like different for me. Um, I have grown in so many ways and I want everybody who was once feeling like me, very unsure, not knowing what direction they was going to go or unhappy to feel this. I hate that I found it through my job and moving and all that stuff, but you know, <laughs> you know, sometimes it'd be like that and it's just like you know, you feel like your potential is unlocked or whatever, but it's just like, girl, this, you've always been this. Unfortunately, it took for you to, you know, move to realize that you are great, but, you know, I'm here, you know, and I'm happy I can even recognize that. I'm very happy that you are. Like, <laughs> thank you so much. I'm no so problem. glad you came on the podcast today. No problem. We had a great conversation. We did. And I was a chatterbox. Whatever. <laughs> yeah, that's that's what I was on too. Listen, listen. I interview people all the time. Um, <laughs> we just and, be chattering away. Chatty Betty. <laughs> yeah, you know, we just get there. Chat, 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 chat. Kicking, kicking, What was that noise? that motherfucking nigga. You hear that motherfucker? Yeah, that shit like that. That shit like that. But tell them where they can oh. find you at. Where they can find me? Any plug, any Instagram, social media. Oh, y'all know me. It's Crispy yeah, Cool. All the straight through. That's it. Crispy Cool with the K on the crispy. With the K and the, the K on the crisp, the K on the cool. Y'all know how it goes. Respect it. <laughs> Respected. Hey, I cuff, cause he will be calling me cuff, y'all. I don't like that. <laughs> <laughs> not, not crispy cuff, y'all. It's cool. Please. I have a lot of jokes in my head, but I'm gonna tell you nope. about them later. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> I'm definitely just gonna send you a whole thread and just like as <laughs> jokes because that's what I do. <laughs> but thank you. I'm really glad you came. Um, please come back again and we'll talk some more shit. Oh, baby. If you're listening, we appreciate you. You great. Please stay healthy. Stay the fuck away from these people without masks. Go out and vote. <laughs> eat some food. And shut the fuck up. Whatever that means. <laughs> <laughs> I have no clue. I just never know how to end podcasts. <laughs> I just curse a lot at the end. <laughs> Match my.